be there in just a moment. Isaiah chapter 40 is where we'll be tonight. <clears throat> we were in Isaiah a little bit last week, and we will be there off and on the next coming weeks. Uh, if you remember, we've been uh, started last week this new uh, sort of uh, series to begin kind of leading us into our Christmas season on Wednesday nights, but then really to carry us past that. And uh, the idea of that series is this, you have there on the screen, is here is God, and it's knowing God the way that He made Himself known. And uh, we'll get to that in just a moment. I have a couple minutes before I get started. I just want to share something with you that we're uh, planning on doing in the upcoming a uh, couple months, or really month now, our New Year starts here in uh, just a little less than 20 days or so. It'll be uh, 2020, which is pretty amazing. And we want to start our year off as a church, um, giving ourselves and dedicating ourselves uh, to the Lord. And uh, we've had a lot of different things happen in our church in the last year, some good things and some difficult things uh, in both ways. And we want to commit this next year uh, to the Lord, <clears throat> and we want to do that together. And so what we'll be doing uh, is during the first three weeks or so of January, we're going to have some prayer request cards that we pass out uh, to our uh, members and to those that uh, come and are part of our church. And uh, you're going to be able to fill out as many of those as you'd like to. Uh, when we come on Wednesday nights, you know, a lot of times we, we are covering prayer requests of the needs that people have. Physically, sometimes it may be a sickness, it may be an issue within the family. Um, it may be that somebody uh, passes away, and so we're uh, typically that's what we are um, praying about on a Wednesday night. And we may not typically, no one calls the office, at least I, I haven't experienced this, where they call the office on Tuesday and say, Can you add my name to the prayer list? I'm having a tough week. Uh, that doesn't normally happen. Sometimes it does. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't say, can you add my name to a prayer list? I have, uh, you know, a few bills that are making me nervous. Or this popped up in my life and I don't uh, know exactly how to handle it. Or I have this situation at work um, that's bothering me. Or I have this person at work that I'm uh, trying to deal with. Or I have this uh, child or this relationship issue. And uh, those are often things that we don't necessarily mention or, or deal with on a Wednesday night. That would be fine to do that in some uh, settings, but what we'd like to do is put out prayer cards for just whatever is going on in the lives of our church family at this time, and uh, they can be filled out with a name on them. Uh, I can put my name at the top, James Sumter, and uh, I need a lot of help, you know, or whatever it may be uh, across the bottom. Uh, we they can be filled out anonymously if it is something that's a little bit more sensitive, and you'd rather not have a name out there, and you just want to give the general. Uh, scope of what you'd like prayed for, uh, that is fine. The good thing is that the Lord knows all. And so when someone's looking at that prayer request card and they don't have a clue who they're praying for, God knows exactly who they're praying for. And uh, so what we like to do is for about three weeks, we'll, we'll take those in. Uh, they can be turned in, whether it's uh, in the offering. Uh, turn, we'll, we'll put a box back at the Welcome Center. It has a little uh, a locking, closing box kind of thing. So those things kind of stay there. We'll, we'll, we'll put those in there and you can uh, submit them at the Welcome Center through the offering. You can turn them into staff. Uh, you can bring them to uh, the actual meeting. And after those three weeks, uh, some, some of we're even going to go to uh, shut-ins and some of those that can't get out. We'd like to visit them and take them some prayer request cards, have them fill some things out as well. 
And uh, then when we're visiting with them, we'll, we'll, we'll bring those back. Um, this is an opportunity for you to reach out to your neighbors and family members. You may have a neighbor that doesn't attend our church or a family member that doesn't attend our church. You say, hey, my church is having, I guess I should tell you what we're having. Uh, we're having a prayer vigil at our church. And is there anything that we can pray with you about? You know, it doesn't have to have your name on or anything, but we just want to pray for you. Uh, or it could be a family member. And uh, there's not going to be a limit to how many cards we have. We're not going to close it off. And then we'll put some cards out as a church that are just uh, filled out the same way. Uh, here are some things that we'd like to pray about <clears throat> as a church moving forward into our year. Here's the ministries uh, that we want to pray about. We'll have a ministry card up here for Awanas, and it'll have five things under it to pray for for our year uh, for Awanas. And we may have the Spanish ministry, and they'll fill out a card, and it'll have five or six things on it that they uh, would like to see pray for. It could be a praise. It could be a prayer request. And then what we're going to do is on, uh, I don't have my calendar here with me, I believe it's January 24th. It's a Friday. And what we'd like to do, we want to encourage every member, everyone that is a part of our church, you can bring someone with you if you'd like. Uh, we, we want to see everyone commit one hour of that day uh, to come and pray. If you cannot get here, that's fine if you could commit an hour elsewhere. But if at all possible, we'd love to see everyone that's part of our church commit one hour to pray for our church family and for our church as a whole on that day. And we're going to open the, the auditorium that morning at 6 in the morning. So people want to come. Uh, if you're one of those that wakes up at 4 for some reason, or uh, if you're headed to work by then, if you usually head to work at 7, maybe head a little bit early and uh, stop in on your way to work, uh, you can come on a lunch break. In the middle of the day, we'll have the auditorium open from 6 in the morning all the way until 8 o'clock that evening uh, is the final time that we'll kind of close everything up. And we're going to have a number of different people that head, head up each of those hours. Um, we'll have some uh, church deacons and officers, trustees, a few staff men uh, that will be here at the beginning of each hour to lead in prayer for just a moment. And then it's very simply a time of prayer. You say, well, how can we pray for an entire hour? Well, hopefully uh, we will have prayer request cards scattered across the altar, uh, across the edge of the platform. We'll have some in the front seats. And then what you can do after, you open in, after we open in prayer is you can come grab five or ten, twelve of those and go sit down somewhere and pray over those cards for four, five, ten minutes. Uh, and then you can come back and get five or six more cards. You pray for what's going on in your own life or your part of our ministry. Uh, you can pray on your own. Um, there may there be maybe an hour where there's only a couple people in here. You may pray on your own for part of that hour. Uh, you may see a church, another church member in here. You'll go over and sit with them and pray uh, for part of your hour. And uh, we'll have some men that are available and uh, some ladies at different times. And you can pray with uh, staff men or staff ladies and different things throughout the day. Uh, but the point is not to just get every request and, and try to say, that well, we're going to have, hopefully the Lord will answer every request, and we pray that He will. The point is to spend the start of our year praying together. Uh, we talked about this a little bit in uh, a couple of staff meetings in the last few weeks. We've talked about it in our officers' meetings that really no matter what the future holds for our church, God is going to have to be the one uh, that does whatever it is. And that's always been uh, the way that it is. We can have plans. We can have ideas. We can have uh, effort. Uh, we can have even a spirit of unity. But unless God blesses, um, there's nothing that we can do that's going to grow his church or do anything on our own. And so what we, what, what we pray that God will do and see is we'll start to see some of those prayer requests answered uh, over those few weeks. And we'll be able to rejoice with each other uh, about some of those things. 
Um, but there may be something at the beginning of the year that you uh, need prayed for, and it's just a burden on your heart. And there'll be an opportunity to put that again on a card with your name or without it. It won't matter. Uh, and spend time in prayer with uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. And like I said, just commit one hour that day. Uh, come at 6 or come at 7, 8, all the way up through. And we'll, the last hour will start is at 7 that evening. You can come for 1 in the morning and 1 in the evening if you'd like. That would be up to you. Uh, but it's a day that we're just going to ask to start our year uh, committing to prayer. It's not a normal activity that we may have a meal or something with. It's just very simply dedicating ourselves uh, to God's strength and God's power, asking Him to bless us in those ways. And so that's just something to think about as the next couple weeks come up. We'll start putting those cards out uh, after Christmas. Uh, we may even send a letter to everybody explaining it with a couple cards in it, and then you can pick up more here. Uh, and then if you have any questions about it, we'll uh, answer those the best we can. But it's a simple thing that we're going to try to do, uh, but we're going to ask the Lord for His help in it. And so uh, be thinking about that and planning about it. Hopefully we'll come into it excited with a spirit of prayer. We'll have a few messages about prayer in the weeks leading up to it and uh, how it, sometimes it's uh, an uncertain thing to us because we don't always understand exactly what it is and how it works. And so we'll talk a little bit about those things as we enter into those weeks. All right, take your Bible, if you would, and look at Isaiah chapter number 40. And we're going to be in our second uh, lesson this evening uh, regarding this. Here is God. It goes with the song of, the, of our month. And uh, what is God? And, and there's so many people around uh, the world that try to decide or try to come up with what God is. And we know that there are hundreds, if not thousands, of different variations of religions and beliefs about this person's God or that person's God or who is God or what is God and uh, what is God like if we do know Him. Even within the church sometimes there is a little bit of discrepancy about the nature or the character of God or uh, how we understand it from His Word. And sometimes, I don't know uh, if I'm the only one that has experienced this, sometimes you will uh, think something about God's character or nature for a while in your mind, and then you may find something in Scripture that kind of butts up against that. You say, well, no, God is, that's not the way God thinks. He thinks this way. And we find that in His Word. We talked about that last week, that God reveals Himself to us now as His church. He reveals that in His Word. And so we want to look at God the way that God has introduced Himself to us. Uh, we mentioned last week, sometimes when we introduce ourselves to people, we only let them know uh, the things about ourselves that we want them to know. And God, in a way, does that. We don't understand every aspect of God's nature, and we won't until uh, we meet Him one day in, uh, in His physical presence. But it doesn't mean that we can't know Him now. And because He is perfect and because He is righteous, He lets us know exactly what we need to know about Him. And we learn that from His Word. If you take your bulletin there, you'll see a couple of different uh, things sort of to introduce us, uh, introduce us as we start. The introductions uh, section there at the beginning says, When a baby is born, there are many introductions, but it takes time to learn a person's characteristics or nature. We mentioned that last week. My son, my youngest son, is 13 months old now. And uh, when he was born, um, I was introduced to him first, and then uh, some, even some of you were introduced to him pretty quickly after that, and then as the months went on, different people have met him, and you don't know everything about him when you first meet him, especially because he's a child, but it's like that with anyone. You don't know everything about someone when you first meet them. Your relationship grows, 
And when we were introduced to Christ, and one of the reasons sometimes I think people in our world are uh, standoffish from Jesus and what we try to teach about Christ, they may think of him just as a baby in a manger. Uh, they may think of him just as a good person or a good preacher, and they don't know anything deeper than those things. But our knowledge of him especially should go far deeper than what he was or how he was as a baby or how he came as a child. It should go much deeper than that. It should be how he introduced himself to us. Uh, if you have, I know there's a few in our church that have been to uh, a different uh, sorts of concerts for uh, around this time of year, particular for Handel's Messiah. When I was in college, I was in a choir that performed it every Sunday after Thanksgiving every year. We've performed selections of it. It's about four hours long. Uh, and so we don't do it typically in our church. But the first uh, song of that is a little bit famous, and it starts with the words that we have here in verse number one. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. So you see that there in verse number one. God is the one that is speaking. And his message to these people is one, his first words to them are, comfort ye, comfort ye, take comfort, take comfort. And the prophet here, Isaiah, as he's speaking to these ones that have been in exile and they have been suffering and they've been going through their own troubles of their own life. In fact, they've been separated from their homeland for such a long time uh, that many other, if there's a psalm that, as you read, it said that they hung up their harps on the trees and they stopped to sing. It says, why should we sing when we are not in the land of our God? And so they are discouraged and they are distraught for how long they have been apart from God's land and his temple. And so they're discouraged and overwhelmed by all these things. And now this prophecy, God's word comes to them and his word to them starts in verse number one, comfort, take comfort. And then notice those last few words, saith your God. And we can take comfort in the fact that God speaks to us. Imagine how these people felt after all of those years of exile. And uh, in a way, there was an indentured service to what they did. Slaves in some of the uh, different parts that they were in. And then they would return home. And then it felt like as soon as they returned home and rebuild, they were taken captive again. And so these people are probably coming to the place that they're wondering, do we even really still have a God? And do we have a God that even cares about us. And if he does care about us, why are we in the position that we're in? Do you ever feel like that sometimes? If God is who he says he is, and he is the way that he says he is, why is the world sometimes, or why is my life the way that it is? But God's message to us, just like it is to these people in Isaiah 40, his message to us is comfort, take comfort, because your God is speaking. And what is God going to say to these people uh, to try to give them comfort? Uh, for time's sake, you look at verse 2, it says, Speak ye comfortably. This is his command, saying, I'm commanding you to speak to them. Verse 3, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. It's sort of a prophecy toward John uh, the Baptist. Verse 4, every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill shall be made low. The crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. So he says, take comfort. You're going to see the glory, the character and the nature of your God. And when we see God's character and his nature, it's a thing of glory that we should take comfort in, that we should take 
peace in. And no matter what situations are going on in life, did he immediately remove these uh, Israelites, these children of God? Did he immediately take them out of exile and take them out of trouble? No, he didn't. How did he encourage them? By removing their pain and their problems? No, he gave them his word. He spoke to them. And he gave them a renewed promise that one was coming to work in their lives. You see there in your bulletins, I'll read this paragraph, says, The primary comfort in Isaiah 40 is simply that God is going to fulfill his promise in a Messiah. We think toward Jesus coming to earth here at this Christmas time. For us, Isaiah 40 is a comfort, not because it's a promise that is coming, but it is a promise that God has already kept. It is a promise that he gave us and fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 40 verses five, verse 5, as we just read, says that the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And we know that God revealed his glory in Jesus Christ. So what comfort can we take in God's glory? Look very quickly at verse 6 and John uh, 6 through 8. And you have some of the blanks here uh, to sort of emphasize a few things as we read through it. Okay, it says, verse number 6, the voice said, what voice? The voice of the Lord said, cry. Well, wait a second. What do you mean cry? You just said to take comfort. It, well, it just means to cry out or to yell with a loud voice. It says, and he said, what shall I cry? All flesh, here's his answer. All flesh is grass and all the goodliness or the comeliness, the goodness, the good nature thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth. Because the spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it, surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. You say, well, that doesn't sound very comforting. If you think about the beginning of this message, he says, take comfort, take comfort. God's glory will be revealed. Holler it out. Well, what should I holler? All flesh is like grass. It's like the grass of the seasons. It is there. Have you ever noticed when, uh, particularly in our area, certain types of grass or certain types of grain fields, you think of a wheat field or a barley field or a soybean field, and it is green and it is lush in this area. Think about the soybeans that are across the street. And it was like they were huge and green and lush. And then all of a sudden we had a couple cold nights and really hot days, and then they were yellow. And then like the next Sunday, they were brown and nasty and totally dead. And he says, all flesh is like that. It's here for a moment and then it's gone. And so how is that comforting? God is not doing a very good job of comforting us. How is this a good thing? Even though what it says there it says people come and go as the grass of the field during the seasons. Think of the millions of people that had died since God first made his promise of a Messiah and the millions of people that have died since Christ came. So what glory is found in that? How is it that we can think about these things and be like, well, great. What glory is there in any of this? This doesn't seem very comforting. Well, look at the next few verses and we'll see that God does not leave us hopeless. That's the glory of it. When we look to ourselves, what we will find, you say, well, what glory can I find in life? If you're looking to your own life, you're going to find that your flesh comes and goes. You're going to find that life is fleeting. You're going to find that the things that you earn and gain, you will one day lose. You'll find the things that bring you pleasure, bring you pleasure only for a moment. You'll find things that satisfy, don't satisfy fully, and they don't satisfy forever. So how do we find comfort? Look at verse number nine, and we'll get into here these three very simple points as God introduces himself 
uh, to them. Look at verse number 9. It says, O Zion, that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah. Now notice, here's why we're in this passage tonight. Notice his words here. Behold your God. Each of the passages that we're going to be in the next few weeks have some, at some point God says, here I am. Uh, here is God. Behold your God. Here is your God. Behold him. Behold his nature and take comfort in it. And this passage tonight is no different. We find that statement in verse number nine at the end. Behold your God. And so when we behold God in this particular passage, what are the three things that he really emphasizes or that we find tonight? And we'll very, keep it very simple tonight to just these uh, three verses. Look at verse number nine. What do we find when he says, behold your God? What, what, what should they have seen and what should we see tonight? Number one, they, should, they saw good tidings. Notice how he begins that um, verse. He says, O Zion that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, behold your God. Notice in there two different times he says, good tidings, good tidings tidings. Lift up your voice. Behold your God. This is good tidings. What does that word mean? Just simply, this is good news. He says, there is good news. Behold your God. Think of yourself and you'll be discouraged. Think of the fact that all flesh is as the grass and you may be depressed about that. You may be panicked. There may be some anxiousness to the fact that life is not always certain, but the good news is here is your God. Notice a couple things that we mentioned about those good tidings or that good news. It says this good news is refreshing. Flip back if you would. It'll help keep us awake. Look at verse number nine, uh, chapter number 9 this evening. Isaiah chapter number 9. And look at verse number 2. It says, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Look over the other side of chapter 40. Look at chapter number 60. And we'll look at verse number 1. It says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. This is a theme all throughout the book of Isaiah. These people, he says over and over, they have lived in darkness. And now, light is going to shine on them. We talked about this the last few Sunday mornings about the fact that they went so long with the promise of a Messiah, but he did not come. And there was such darkness in their lives. And then, boom, this ray of light, Christ, the Messiah that comes into their life. And you ever uh, been through a discouraging time or uh, something that goes along those lines or, or a sickness? You ever been through a physical sickness and you at nighttime seems worse uh, sometimes if you had the flu or uh, sometimes fevers spike in the nighttime or uh, blood pressure raises or lowers and all those different things. And you just kind of feel like, you ever had that feeling, if I could just get through the dark hours, if I could just get through till the morning, if I could just fall asleep and sleep through this, maybe in the morning I'll feel a little bit better. And then when the light comes up, sometimes you feel worse, but a lot of times, at least for those first few hours, you think, okay, I can do this. I made it. It's a little easier. The Bible gives us that picture here. He says, you have been in darkness, and now when you learn of your God, there is light. And that is a refreshing thing that comes. But notice the second thing about this. 
and says that good news, this good news is relevant. It's relevant to these people that it's written to, and it's relevant to people now. Those people that were in exile were presumably, we already mentioned this, saying, do we really have a God anymore? And if we do, why are we here? I want you to notice this. We put it in italics there. People without God are three things. If you want to give it a little acronym there, it wouldn't be a pleasing one. It would be SAG, uh, S-A-G there. Sad, alienated, and guilty. And when we live our lives apart from what we know about God, When our minds are constantly on ourselves and not on God. When our minds are constantly on our circumstance and not on our relationship with God. When our minds are constantly focused on the things of this world, the events of this world, the news of this world, the riches of this world, the responsibilities of this world. When that is what my mind is focused on all day long, I'll come away from my day sad, alienated, or distant from God. And just feeling guilty. I didn't measure up. I wasn't enough. I didn't do enough. I'm not a good enough person. But one who has this good news from God knows that it is not about self, but it is about him. And that leads us into verse number 10. It says, Behold, the Lord your God will come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. What do we find? How can we take comfort in our God tonight? We can take comfort in the good news that God speaks to us and that we can have a relationship with him. We can take comfort, number two, in the fact that he is a sovereign Lord. Notice it says the Lord God will come with a strong hand. I want you to flip, if you would, to Isaiah 14 real quick. Most of what we're looking at tonight is in the book of Isaiah because it's all within the same theme. Look at Isaiah, look at chapter 14. Look at verse number 24. It says, The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely, as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. Aren't you glad that you serve a God tonight that is sovereign, that can say something like, When I think, it happens. And when I say it, you can't stop it. Aren't there things in your life that you wish were that way? We mentioned getting the flu a moment ago. Don't you wish when you woke up in that morning, you have the tingly throat, you're aching on the back of your legs a little bit, your neck is starting to tingle. If you could just think, go away, and it it went away. If if, If that could happen, that would be great. Uh, I mentioned a few, you'll hear me talk about this a lot, at least until the end of December uh, when the season ends. But when I'm out hunting, there's times that I'll hear hear a noise, and I think that's the biggest deer I'm ever going to see. And then a squirrel hops around the tree, (laughs) bouncing in the leaves. It seems like in the moments that I'm out there and I I get all excited and stuff, and there's just herds of squirrels that come through at just the right time. That's just the way that it works. And no matter how hard I think this is going to be an amazing moment, it's not. And I can't force it. I can't make it happen. But our God, as silly as that is, our God can think anything and make it happen. Our God can say or speak anything, and there's nothing anyone can do, evil people or good people. Because believe it or not, there are things in our lives that we would want to stop God from doing. Aren't you glad that there's some things that you pray about and beg God to do and he doesn't? Or you beg God to work a certain way to stop something 
And he works a different way because he knows what is best. And when he thinks and when he speaks, what he says happens and it is best. Notice how is that uh, important for us because God is sovereign and God is victorious. Notice this, this phrase stuck out to me. I wrestled with it for a little while. It says, and his reward is with him. We'll find the answer to that again, I think, in verse number 11. It says his reward is found with him. His victory is found in the fact that he is or in the immensity of his wisdom, the lawgiver comes in the person of Christ, submits to the law, lives it perfectly so that he can give it to the sinner's account. The reward of Christ is us. It's the ones that he has won through the blood sacrifice of the cross. We'll find that answer, I believe, in verse number 11. What is his reward? It says his reward is with him. Why do you think that? He says, at the beginning of verse 10, it says, Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand. That word hand means grasp, literally, or kind of arm. He'll bring those things with him. But look at verse number 11 now. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. Notice, notice at the end of verse 10, it says he is sovereign, he is strong, and he brings his reward with him. And then how do you see him in the next verse? as a shepherd bringing his lambs along. His reward is the work that he has done in our lives. His trophy, if you want to say it that way, his prize, the thing that he's done is the glory that he brings to his Father by working in the lives of sinners. And that brings us to our third and final thing this evening. How can we take comfort in our God? We take comfort in the good news that God speaks to us. We take comfort in the fact that he is sovereign and completely in control. No matter what I do, no matter what you do, and no matter what anyone in this world does, what he thinks happens. What he knows is best is how he will work. Have you ever known what is best but chose, chosen something else? Uh, probably the quickest illustration we could run to is at a restaurant um, where your mind knows what is best, but you choose something else. Uh, when the salad bar may be best, but the triple Angus mac and cheese top cheeseburger is what we choose. Aren't you glad that we serve a God that when he knows what's best, chooses what is best? He's not tempted or thwarted by other things. There's things in life that I say, I know that this is the best situation. This is the best decision for the whole. This is the best decision for everyone involved. More people probably good. But what I think I would like to happen, this is probably the best decision for the long run, but for the immediate, there's a different decision that I would like to make. Aren't you glad that the sovereign God of the universe does not act that way? He does not make decisions on a whim. Everything he does is planned and calculated and completely in his control. And perfect example is that you look to the cross and you see the perfect spotless Unsin, unsinning lamb of God hanging, beaten, despised, rejected, humiliated, or they tried to humiliate him in that sense, bleeding and dying out in a, on a device of torture. And it would seem like, why is God not in control? But in his calculated plan, he always is. And that leads us to the third thing. He is a gentle shepherd. Look at verse number 11. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm. Which arm? That strong, sovereign arm. 
and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. Notice, how, notice the contrast there that he kind of gives us. With his strong arm, he will gently lead you. He won't overpower. God does and can overpower us in certain circumstances in our lives, but the demeanor with which he leads us is a gentle one. He is a gentle shepherd, and how he handled, handles us, though our lives may feel rocked to and fro, he is handling us with care. You think of a, uh, of a lifeguard or someone at the beach that is drowning and in turmoil. When you're watching with your binoculars or you're watching it as it happens, it may not seem like that lifeguard is acting with a gentleness and a care, but they are. It may be the waves that are tossing things to and fro. It may be the turmoil of the moment. You've ever seen someone try to save another's life through one way or another, then they may feel like, oh, there's, there's not a gentleness to that. But with his strong arms, he is gentle toward us. And though he could overpower our lives, though he could rule over us and make us miserable, though he could crush us into submission, and at times he presses us into submission, though he could crush us in a discouraging way, he gently leads us. He's not a shepherd that screams and shouts and wounds and destroys. He is a gentle shepherd that prods and pushes and guides our lives, like we mentioned several weeks ago, not just to a better place, but to a better person. He leads us constantly toward God. He leads us toward himself. Why would he ever do this? Why would he ever act this way? Because we, after all, like sheep, since he is a shepherd, we, like sheep, as Isaiah says, have gone astray. Every one of us has turned to our own way, yet God still seeks us, and it is a picture of who he is. Here is God, as we've been singing uh, these last few weeks. What is God like? Here is God. He is a sovereign Lord. He gives good news as he speaks to us, and he is a gentle, loving shepherd who seeks and guides his children. And so, when we look at how God reveals himself to us, how should we respond? If my God is sovereign, yet he is gentle. If he is strong, yet he is caring. If he is mighty and in control, yet he is personal and gives good word to me and personal word to me through his word, how then should I respond? I can trust him. I can follow him. I can rest in him because his news is good. He is a sovereign Lord and he is a gentle shepherd. I wonder tonight as we face certain things in our own lives, as we think of our God, what are some of the first things that you think? I think we may have mentioned this quote last week. If not, A.W. Tozer wrote in one of his books, he says, what you think when you think of God is the most important thought you will ever think. What do you think when you think of God? Do you think of God as, well, sometimes he's in control and sometimes he does good things for us, sometimes he does bad things. Sometimes he hears me and sometimes he doesn't hear me. Sometimes he listens to me and is focused on me and sometimes he's focused on somebody else and I don't hear from him for a while. Sometimes he is this Lord that takes away all the fun or the pleasure from my life or he is this God that is kind of boring and draining and we're just waiting to get through the sorrows and the problems of life but that is not him what do you think when you think of God we should think 
of good, merciful news. We should think of his sovereign, perfect control. And we should think of him as a gentle shepherd who has not just prodded us along, but has gathered us in his arms and carried us along the way. Let's pray and thank him for those things this evening.